This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. Week 12 is in the books, and we are here to break down all of the action, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. I'm going to introduce my co-host, though, first before we get into it. Pierce, how are you doing today on this fine evening? Doing well, doing well. I mean, how can you not be doing well uh, going into uh, Thanksgiving week? A lot of a lot of sports ahead. Got, I know this isn't a college basketball podcast, but have uh, something like 70 games on Wednesday. So that coupled in with what I consider to be the best football week of the season, both college and pro, you get a spattering of, of games throughout the week. I, I I mean I'm as excited as any. Uh, this is the best week of uh, of the football season. You know, couple that with some other sports, and 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 I'm looking forward to it. I'm fired up. This is uh I think this is my favorite holiday of the year. Quite quite frankly. Oh, like in general, the holiday or because of all the sports you surrounding know, it, you just like to gorge yourself with food. What 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 we what's the qualifier you know, there? I mean, being a heavier set man, I am uh you know excited about the food, but it's more so the sports and and the. You know, you gotta love uh, Christmas holiday and the bowl games that that are that exist throughout that that time. That being said, Thanksgiving things still mean things. There's some fighting. There's some rivalries. There's just a little bit more of a buzz and excitement to me. You know, Christmas is great. It's New Year's Eve that I associate with the legit bowl games where I get really excited. So that weekend, Christmas is a basketball holiday to me. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You get you get some, some great NBA. NBA. Yeah. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'll say this about you and your love of Thanksgiving: you ain't ever seen a man, people out there in the uh, podcasting sphere. You ain't ever seen a man who's not going to step foot in the kitchen to help on Thanksgiving, micromanage the menu like Pierce has. Oh, I love it. I mean, hey, you you came to me because you knew what I was going to provide. You knew. Or, I was going to get picky, one or the other. Well, I'm a little bit of both. I, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to certainly argue against both those uh, statements. I had to call him off at one point and say, well, it's just the five of us. It's just the five of us. We don't need to I add know. all well, the sides in the well, world. You know, Thanksgiving and, and everyone this, I don't have to remind anyone that Thanksgiving, the arguably the best part outside of football and, and sports is the leftovers. And so I, I, I'm, I'm always, and you know, what's crazy. I'm not a leftovers guy. I'm not. You're the you're you're a leftovers person. You know, some other people in this family are leftovers people. I'm not. I'm not. But on Thanksgiving, that's my one exception. You know, I had this conversation with mom recently, actually. And we I, I said I literally said to her because Pierce and I have been with each other for a long time now uh, because of coronavirus. And, and so I've seen a lot of your habits <laughs> and I didn't know you weren't a leftovers person. I, I love a leftover because when you're the one doing the cooking you realize, oh, it's really nice when you would then have leftovers for the next couple of days and you don't have to do this huge, big production every single night. Well, I'm a guy, and uh, as a male, inherently, I uh, I don't necessarily want to do all the cooking. I just well, want to eat. And then at so. lunchtime, but hey, I, I, I literally is... said that, though, to Mom. I was like, at lunchtime, it's so nice. You just open the fridge and you go, there's my dinner from last night. I'm going to eat it. And Pierce will be like, no, i got to figure out some brand new thing to eat today for lunch. It's, it's just in my DNA. I don't know why, and I enjoy cooking. I enjoy grilling uh, first and foremost, but... 
I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm certainly picky. I think that you hit on that best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, enough with the food talk. It is Thanksgiving week, as Pierce alluded to. We've got a Thanksgiving preview for you. I have a little surprise coming down the pike. I'm going to tease really quickly. Go ahead and be subscribed uh, to the podcast feed here. And then also, make sure you're following us on social media. That's where the surprise is going to drop, at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. That's bragging without the G, just as it's spelled here in the podcast feed. So thank you so much for doing those two things. We appreciate your support. And let's jump in, Pierce, to our Week 12 recap. First of all, we have our goods, our bads, and our downright uglies. Pierce Mike, good performance of the week is the Fighting Reese Davises. The Northwestern Wildcats got it done versus the number 10 Wisconsin Badgers. And the, uh, the de- defense is a fantastic. Peyton Ramsey is proficient for them as well. Uh, you got to love the boys in purple in Evanston. And you got to love that shade that uh, they threw to Reese, or not Reese Davis, Joey Galloway, who said prior to the game, hey, I'm not impressed with Northwestern. They're just a bunch of uh, Reese Davises. And they put together like a clip, uh, a little like bunch of clips in them talking about being Reese Davises and stuff. And um, obviously they had the little call out at the end of the game as well. You love that. Really good for them. They are now in control of their destiny in the Big Ten West. And I really like them against what I'm seeing in the Big Ten East. I think that they could have a... Have a have their way, not have their way with, but could be a formidable foe uh, for Ohio State coming out of the Big Ten East, if uh, if I do say so myself. What is your good performance of the week, Pierce? My good performance of the week, and uh, don't call me biased, but it's Mississippi State. the The Bulldogs of Mississippi State played their most complete game of the season. Will Rogers uh, had a fantastic game. Didn't try to force anything through a lot of really good balls that obviously he was facing, uh, you know, eight guys dropping back uh, trying to defend the pass. And he didn't take anything that he couldn't, you know, afford to take, dumping it off, finding guys in between the zone. Uh, really thought this Mississippi State team put it together this week. And, you know, despite them not putting up as many points or statistically as great a performance uh, against as, as they did against LSU. I think it was a more complete performance, something that you can carry over from week to week and something that I think uh, they ought to be able to build off going into uh, into the Egg Bowl this week, which I'm excited to watch now. I thought they were going to get blown out. Now I have some some faith that maybe this will be a, a, a classic Egg Bowl. Yeah, it looks like the process is finally working. That Mike Leach process might have a, a little bit of a quarterback situation figured out there, and their defense is quietly one of the best in the SEC. So uh, do not sleep on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. My bad performance of the week, Pierce, is Justin Fields' Heisman chances. Hey, if you didn't watch the Ohio State game, people have a little funeral because Justin Fields will not be winning the Heisman this year. You can go ahead and mark it 100%. And it's not because he's necessarily this, like, fraud of a player. He looked just average. He just looked average. You know, and and partially that's, uh, you know... discredit to him because the media hypes him up so much and he's got less games to prove his worth. But if, if he's in the top three, I, I think, if he's in the top three of the Heisman race, I will be absolutely flabbergasted. I think that you just saw him, uh, you know, put on a really average performance, didn't do anything special, completed just 60% of his passes, 300 yards, uh, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. Uh, they did get it done, but again, nothing nothing special. And you have to have a Heisman moment. He's not had that for me yet. Uh, and, and I think that he just kind of fell really far behind the pack, if you do, if I do say so myself. Pierce, what's your bad performance of the week? 
You know, mine is going to be the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And and listen, it's not necessarily your performance this week from a from a totality standpoint. Spencer Sanders obviously got hurt, um, completing ten of nineteen for for ninety seven. Not going to get it done, but obviously getting hurt, you want him to be there. The backup comes in five of twenty one, not great, but. Here's where I can also uh, get behind Oklahoma State and also argue against myself saying this isn't a bad performance because it just happens when you're in, in the Big 12, coming uh, obviously being a TCU alum. TCU has been highly touted on the defensive side of the ball. That being said, in the Big 12, you're going to give up two to three games a year against an offense that's just clicking or, or too high-powered, and they're going to put up points, and that's what happened here, and they didn't have the offensive firepower to put it up. Gundy, Coach Gundy, while he's able to, to, to mix and match here and there and, and have some productive seasons, he's he's all he's good for is eight to nine wins a year, and, and, and that's not going to get it done. Uh, that's not going to get done there, and, and that's why I have them as my bad performance of the week. All right, my ugly performance of the week is the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Now, here's the thing. We knew they're not going to be good this year necessarily, but they at least look like they might have a little something-something. Uh, you know, they had their first game where they put up a little bit of, and when I say little, I mean tiny bit of a fight versus Ohio State. Uh, kind of thought maybe they might uh, have some success. I've been talking about their their one-two punch at quarterback, thinking it's great. Uh, but, you know, Nebraska going to Nebraska. They lose to Illinois. Uh, we'll, we'll go into the recap more of that game, so I won't get too much into it. But And then you got... Scott uh, Scott Frost at the end of the game, you know, throwing shade at his players. It's very weird. You're, I'm starting to hear a little bit of rumbling. Not rumbling, but, you know, you, you, I've seen some stuff on Twitter. Very funny. I had an interaction with a Nebraska fan uh, when, I guess it was back when their first game was canceled and they were trying to, to find a home elsewhere. And I tweeted something about Nebraska and this Twitter account sort of messaging me and tweeting at me and now we follow each other and so I I weirdly have started following Nebraska Twitter and all I say all that to say there's a little bit of rumblings that hey the boys don't get along with each other there's they're not a united uh, team in the locker room necessarily so not great not great in Lincoln there and and a performance to boot that uh, you you just write home about and you go ooh not great not great uh, and and I don't know how much longer Scott Frost Frost lasts at Nebraska if I'm being honest with you uh, so that's my ugly performance of the week Pierce what about you. Mine's tough because I've uh, used this team uh, a couple times this year, and and I thought they were uh, my my opinion repeat of them have, offenders. Yeah, repeat offenders, but they've also my opinion of them has changed uh, quite dramatically over the last four or five weeks. That's Tennessee Vols. You know, you look at what they did, and no matter how they play, they continue to shoot themselves in the foot, and it's it's a shame because you look at some. I saw some statistic, and it was like. Uh, and 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 don't fact fact check me on this and say I'm wrong because I'm I'm quoting somebody, but it was like the Vols didn't lose the turnover battle. They won the uh, offensive rushing tally. They only lost the yardage total uh, passing by you know fifty six yards, which is not the the end of the day. And and they had a number of other statistical categories that they won, and yet they found ways to win or to lose, and not only lose but by double digits, and that is. I mean that that just goes down boils it down to coaching and that's that's a shame for them and not saying they're uh, they have the talent to turn it around here asap but they uh, they ought to be playing and performing better than they have and 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 the coaching staff is obviously struggling and failing it's it's 
they're flustered right now. They don't know what to do. They don't have a stable base. And Pruitt better get things going quickly or else they are in serious trouble there in Knoxville. Yeah, agreed. I don't know if they can afford another buyout, but I bet you they're they're looking under the couch cushions for pennies right now because it's ugly in Knoxville. And hey, if you're a repeat offender, uh, it's probably for, for good reason. So that is our good, our bads, and our uglies. It's time to break down our top 10 games of the week. These are the games that we previewed heading into the weekend, made our picks. Uh, I didn't do so hot. You you did better. No, um, I did worse by oh, one wait. game. We both were atrocious. I thought you said you had seven wins. No, I had three wins, seven oh. losses. You had four wins, six losses. So I won the weekend again. Woo-hoo. Won the weekend again, no surprise. How'd but, your easy peasies uh, do? Easy peasies went two and one. I hit okay. the under in the in the Battle of Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, under 59, which is a very bold pick, if I do say so myself. Um, that that one, and then got a very fortunate win uh, and cover with that pick six late with Coastal Carolina. Um, and then, unfortunately, lost my Ohio State play, which – I do over in a heartbeat. Okay. All right. Well, hey, you know, we don't plan to be perfect, but we do win you some money from time to time. I think I told everybody to take the under in Florida and Vandy, and I think that hit. So I'm pretty sure. I can't do math Mm-mm. that quickly. It didn't hit? What was the – What was, was like, the? hold on. It had to have been like – 68. Oh, okay. Yeah, then that hit. That was a, a higher-scoring yeah. higher game. I mean, that's a crazy total considering – Yeah, 55 uh, points. 55. I think they just thought that's this was my this is what I it said. It would have had been like four to like 60. Then. Right. Well, that's what I was that's about to crazy. say. That's what I said. That's why I said this is free money for you people. And I never get involved in the easy peasies. But I was like, Florida's going to have to score all 68 points. Yeah, that's crazy. To and, cover that. Now, and, granted, hey, Ken Seals, he's he looks pretty good. Looks a lot better than uh, you know. He, he's a freshman. He's going to get better with time. And and I expect a, a jump from this season to next in the off season. He's going to get better. Um, I think he's one of the best prospects uh, that, that Vandy's had at the QB position in the last decade. Yeah, it's just a shame that Derek Mason found a QB and he's not going to be there to enjoy it. But, hey, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. Wouldn't be surprised. We'll see. All right, let's jump in, Pierce. The number nine Indiana Hoosiers, or at the time, the number nine Indiana Hoosiers, 35. The Ohio State Buckeyes, 42. They gave them all they could. The Hoosiers tried and tried and tried, and this was a really good game. Uh, really came down to the wire. Uh, already previewed or already recapped a little bit Justin Fields' performance. The rest of the team as well, pretty average. Nothing I saw on Saturday made me think that Ohio State could win the national championship. Now, I think they're a playoff caliber team, and I do think they make it to the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to be able to hang with the Clemsons and the Alabamas uh, this year. So, uh, and heck, you know what? I could even say it, see them losing to Notre Dame. So, um, like I said, 42 to 35 is the final there. I'll let you break down the stats and figures. But uh, my question for you is, is this more of an indictment of Ohio State being exposed as more pretenders or is Indiana just really good? I think it's a little bit of both. I think Indiana is, uh, I think you look at Indiana now and you go, okay, well, I didn't expect them to play this closely with Ohio State, but, uh, or I should say, and on the other side, Ohio State, they've got some uh, they've got some deficiencies on the the defensive side of the ball, especially from the standpoint of being able to defend the the deep pass. And and I mean that's consistent with what uh, a team that we follow. So we know the uh, the pain that comes with not being able to defend the long ball. That being said, you know you look at this game and 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 Ohio State clearly had the better ball club. They had they had the more talent. The uh, the the 
the better talent and uh, more talent than than what Indiana had. That being said, Indiana did have a good game plan coming in, and and regardless of how they they fared the first, I guess you can say first half, especially the first quarter, first uh, first four possessions. They, they, you, you gotta love how Indiana came back and battled back and actually made this a ball game. Penix obviously threw, uh, through for a crazy amount of yards. Uh, Fry Fogel, we've been touting him this entire year. He, he has been a, a great weapon for the Hoosiers. This, this feels like a game where Ohio State, this was where they might get tripped up, and I didn't think that going in, but now. I think this was their one game where, you know, they had all the motivation in the world to come out and dominate. I think they're going to look at some of their deficiencies and go, okay, this ain't us. Let's let's shore this up and, and let's figure it out. That scares me going forward, but Ohio State didn't look the part this week, and Indiana took advantage of some of those uh, deficiencies. So going to be interesting to see these two teams moving forward. I, I love what Indiana brings to the table, but Ohio State, I, I question what they have uh, moving forward for the top four. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, when we get to that, obviously, by the time this episode comes out, the playoff committee will have met and announced, and I'm looking forward to see where they've slotted Ohio State uh, in their rankings after Saturday's performance. Pierce, the next game, another Big Ten matchup, the Illinois Fighting Illini and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Obviously, this was my uh, ugly performance. Did I say ugly? Was it an ugly performance or a bad performance? It was an ugly performance. Can't I remember. Uh, five turnovers is the big stat line for me here, Pierce, from the Cornhuskers. Uh, McCaffrey was was not good. Three of those were interceptions by him. Uh, he is a freshman, so you, you knew that was gonna. It was bound to happen that he was gonna show uh, some chink in the armor. Not that he's been perfect already, but but just in general. Uh, so, anyways, like I said, Nebraska Cornhuskers twenty three losing to Illinois, who's not a good team. Uh, really, really tough time, or really, really tough there in Lincoln, and and something's gonna have to give. So, I want to hear your thoughts on this, Pierce. What what is happening in Lincoln? You know, I I can't really diagnose that. I will say I thought this team. The other team was going to be able to come in and, and dominate on the line of scrimmage, and that just wasn't the case. Uh, Illinois gave the the Cornhuskers uh, all they could handle on the defensive line. They ran it down their throats. They had two running backs who had over 100 yards um, in Epstein and Brown. That's always a recipe for disaster. McCaffrey, you hit the nail on the head with uh, their side of, the, uh, of things. McCaffrey... Put up some numbers, showed some things, but you know you gotta limit those uh, those turnovers. And defensively, they, the 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 Cornhuskers just didn't get it done, and and that's never gonna be the team, a team in Illinois who you know nobody thought they were gonna be great. But this was a game where even I was questioning uh, this 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 thing coming in. And I said in our last pod, could be a letdown spot for the Cornhuskers, and the Illini came in and took advantage of that and really quite frankly beat the uh the huskers at their own game so kudos to the fighting illini and lovey smith and i mean scott frost where are their answer is going to come man i mean every time you show a sign it, it's it's just not there all right flip into the sec the lsu tigers 27 the arkansas razorbacks 24 shout out to tj finley he comes in from miles brennan who's officially out for the season now this isn't the first time he's hit the field for the bayou Bengals, but on the road there in fayetteville uh, i've been applauding barry odom's defense all season long he was two had 271 yards through the air and two touchdowns uh it had a pretty good or not him but the team itself had a, a decent uh, day rushing as well give credit to lsu or not lsu arkansas they were able to uh, you know, move the ball, just really struggled to convert that to uh, enough to 
breakthrough this LSU team. And uh, just when you thought they were down and out, Coach O coaches the guys to a win. They've been pretty good after losses, though. So they're heading into this next game uh, at 50% rivalry week, as you will. So like I said, good for the Bayou Bengals. Tough for Arkansas with that loss. But, you know, I really like their they're plucky team. They're a plucky team. We'll see if that translates when they lose Felipe Franks next year. But uh, I really I really like what Arkansas is doing, even though the record wouldn't show uh, the amount of success that I believe them to have had so far this season. What about you, Pierce? Yeah, LSU, when it boils down to it, LSU just uh, controlled the uh, the ball. They, that's all they did. They they controlled the ball throughout this game. Had about 25-plus uh, plays on the Razorbacks. When Arkansas had the ball, they were able to move it. They struggled to run the ball, which you got to give credit to LSU. Interesting to see uh, Felipe Franks throw it for 300 and, uh, 350, 339 yards. Not like him. You look for their running game to really kind of lead the charge and have Felipe do play action and, and have some big plays off of that. When you look at this box score, you can clearly tell what went on. And having watched the game, LSU just was able to control the clock, not put their defense in, in some crazy spots and some difficult spots. And that's how they they're, they have to win these games, especially against a team in uh, in Arkansas who who's, I'd say, is uh, just as good as them this year. So... Very even matchup. LSU did exactly what they needed to do to get it done. Some fortunate things went on, but give the Tigers credit. They uh, they pull out this dub. Let's flip back to the Big Ten. The number, well, it was at the time number 10. I don't know why I'm saying the rankings. At this point, that's irrelevant. The Wisconsin Badgers, 7. The Northwestern Wildcats, 17. Pat Fitzgerald has this defense, Pierce, uh, in ship, uh, ship shop. That's not the word. Tip top. Tip top. Tip ship top. Shop. Ship. I don't Whoa, know. Oh, I love hearing you say that. Listen, I don't know. Well, you've been ship working out shop. for the last three and a half hours, so yeah, you know fair. you get noodly brain yeah, when that happens. I don't know if you saw me. I just had to leave micro. I was while Pierce was talking. I had to go let dog off the pod Murray in the the uh, room. And when I bent down, I got back up, and I thought my knee was going to give out. I there I, were about I'm five old. or six pops like, and you looked at you turned around like oh I was in so much pain. I am getting old, people. It's official. Um, all right, so let's get back to this. The Northwestern Wildcats were able to force five turnovers from Wisconsin. You're not going to get it done if uh, if you're getting if you're going to give up five turnovers. Graham Mertz did have 230 yards and one touchdown. Uh, weren't able to get much done on the ground though. The Wisconsin team who who normally has a pretty good uh, running attack. Northwestern on their offensive pierce. One of the stat lines that that uh, just is glaringly wow to me is they only had 24 yards of offense, but it doesn't matter because when you rushing, the, th- what I say, not offense. Sorry, rushing. Thank you, rushing offense. I'm all thrown off now. You're good. Um, rushing offense, <laughs> rushing attack. 24 yards on the ground. Not great, but it doesn't matter because if your defense is going to come up big like that, uh, it's going to be a win uh, all day long. I'll also point this out. Wisconsin, super mistake prone also with penalties, eight penalties for 69 turnovers. Uh, that's going to be really tough, really tough. So it, they grow the grass out long there in Evanston. Pat Fitzgerald's a pretty plucky coach as well. And like I said at the top, Northwestern now in control in their side of the Big Ten. you got to love it if you're a Northwestern Wildcat. Yeah, this game, uh, if you're not a uh, if you're not a pure football fan or or just a gritty oh, yeah, super college boring. football fan. This super is a, an incredibly boring game. I enjoyed watching it. I think you might have. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it didn't captivate or, or, or keep a lot of football fans that your average fans around to watch. 
not surprised. Northwestern was able to uh, muck this game up. By, they were outgained yards-wise by Wisconsin by at least uh, 80 yards. And But that, that 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 is exactly how I thought Northwestern would win. And Northwestern was able to force those timely turnovers, take advantage on offense. Peyton Ramsey was able to do enough and, and, and limit the turnovers. And an opportunistic uh, defense and special teams is, uh, is very important in these close games. You know, Graham Mertz is going to go back to the drawing board. He's a freshman. Going to need to figure these things out. All things considering, I didn't think you're going to have these growing pains. All things considering, I don't think it was a, it was a performance that you have to get down on Mertz and go, well, he's not going to be our guy. I think you almost turn it the opposite way. But Northwestern, give him credit. This uh, this team is very talented, and I think they're going to go, go forward. And can they score enough points to beat an Ohio State? Doubtful. But, hey. Got to give them credit. You never know with a, with a good defense. The Cincinnati Bearcats had a bit of a scare versus UCF Knights. 36-33 to 33 was the final of that one. Hey, we knew UCF would be able to keep pace with them. It was just a matter of whether or not Cincinnati was going to be able to put up enough pressure uh, to, to stop what I think is still one of the most uh, prolific offenses, even though they, uh, they aren't... Uh, putting up the record that they normally do, the UCF Knights, that is. Uh, Cincinnati, though, goes to 8-0 on the season with this win. Uh, had almost 500 yards of offense and total offense, I should say. Uh, and and does see Desmond Ritter, I'm looking at his start. I'm, look, I'm, I'm dissecting the box score while I do this, people. Desmond Ritter was uh, pretty accurate through the air, 338, 338 yards, two touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, let's see couple of turnovers yeah I mean hey what I'm seeing here is just Cincinnati they're just good and and the fact that they're able to take down the UCF team that's been a a thorn in their side this is honestly if you don't pay attention to group of five schools this is a huge this is a big rivalry in the AAC they've met the last time they met was in the AAC championship Uh, Cincinnati gets done and starts to silently 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 make the case for why they should be a playoff caliber team. And I'll tell you what, with BYU backing down of uh, wanting to play a Pac-12 team, that was a a discussion point in the past 48 hours. The Cincinnati team, you know, hey, you could could maybe make a play. I don't know what their conference is letting them do that or not, but hey, if you could squeak in there and play one of those teams... BYU is now irrelevant. I think that that's their play right now because then you've got a really good uh, win under your belt as well. And I think that they could take down a Pac-12 team. I really like what I'm seeing from the Cincinnati Bearcats. Pierce, what about you? Yeah, this was a great test uh, for Cincinnati. You knew that UCF was gonna gonna pose a different threat with uh, with Dylan Gabriel being one of the more prolific uh, passers in the, in the country. They were able to do good things against him. I mean, he was not as efficient as he normally is. Uh, going 26-49, only 243. Yes, he did have three TDs. They forced him to pick it off or to throw an interception once in this game. Totally eliminated the run game. Anderson, Otis Anderson, obviously a very prolific back. 51 yards on 12 carries, 4.3 average. But really, quite frankly, just shut the thing thing down on the on the defensive side of the ball. And then you look at it, and Cincinnati wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Play action pass, run the ball with the, the quarterback, get things going off that run. They they play the, similar to an SEC style game. Run the ball, run the ball, play good defense, throw the ball for chunk plays, get it done that way. They were stopped. They were they were held in check offensively on the ground in this game, 
And Ritter just said, okay, I'll, I'll take things into my own hands. 21 of 32 for 338, two TDs, zero picks. Most important part of the game. This really could have been a 17-point game or more. Give credit to UCF, who had a great great game plan coming in and, and, and knew what they had to do to win. But the, UCF, or the Cincinnati Bearcats are absolutely legit. Love them moving forward, especially when they get these tough games. They prevail, and they're able to adapt and to transform and, and win in different ways. So give credit to both teams, but the Bearcats, they're legit. The Virginia Tech Hokies and the Pittsburgh Panthers. Pitt winning that one 47-14. Give credit to Pitt. I mean, heck, 556 total yards of offense. Uh, we're able to really limit Virginia Tech uh, as far as time of possession. Virginia Tech also had two turnovers. And I think you're starting to see the end of the era of Justin Fuente there in Blacksburg, unfortunately, appears for, for him. Uh, really not a great performance from the Hokies. Uh, this is a team that last year, uh, you know, I, don't, I can't remember the record last year. Didn't it come down to the game with Virginia, though, if I'm remembering correctly, for the uh, their... The, with Pitt? Yeah, no, yeah. Not, with, not with Pitt, with Virginia Tech. Yeah, I didn't believe, it come down it to was Virginia, one Virginia of those Tech? Three teams. Or the wheels like, are yeah. starting to come off if you're a Hokie, like I said already. Uh, I mean, that's, a, that's almost that's two. That's, that feels like two years, three oh, years I, ago. hundred percent. This this year feels like both the longest year ever and then also the shortest year ever to me. Uh, but like I said, Fuente is probably out the door there in Blacksburg. Uh, give credit to where uh, the Pit Panthers were able to pounce on that and uh, Kenny Pickett, four hundred four yards of offense through the air. You gotta love it there for the Panthers. Uh, they have. Clemson on deck, yeah? Yep. Okay, so we'll see. That's going to be an interesting one. What about this one, Pierce? What'd you think? Uh, I mean, you said the uh, Northwestern Wisconsin game was ugly. This game was ugly, in my opinion. This game scared me the entire time we were picking it. And and, and in the buildup, Virginia Tech just is not an explosive team. They, they, they show flashes every now and then, but they've got some extremely, extremely poor poor things going on up there in Blacksburg. They need to get rid of some folks. I mean, obviously Fuente is is gone. He's a lame duck. I think that's only going to show. I think he was a lame duck after last week and I think that's why they performed so poorly. They've got some players there. But these 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 players are just and I say but I should say they've got some players there. They also have a lot of a lot of issues and, and a lot of that stems from the coaching coaching front and a lot of it also stems from the players not buying into what the coaches are saying because they know they're they're sitting ducks they're 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 out of here at the season's end so i think it's uh, a new regime is going going to uh inspire this this core you gotta like what they have but they are not showing it on 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 all on any front quite frankly so for what a lot of people thought was going to be a good team in the Virginia Tech Hokies, this is uh, this is quite frankly uh, a sad, sad state of affairs. The Tennessee Volunteers went down to the plains and <laughs> could not stop turning the ball or uh, throwing to the other team. Rather, uh, he said the name wrong, but my my uh, boss said something today about Garantano. Uh, you realize you're not supposed to throw the other team there, buddy. Uh, Thirty to seventeen was the final there. Now, granted, not a ton of interceptions, but he just really is not good. He's not good. He's not the answer. I don't know why they don't put Harrison Bailey in. Uh, again, another person that you're potentially seeing the end of the era there uh, is Jeremy Pruitt. It kind of felt like the the loser of this one would be the the dial up the hot seat even more, and the winner you know kind of staves that off for a while. So Muschamp, not Muschamp, Malzahn seems to be good 
for a bit, but Pruitt seems to be following in Muschamp's footsteps, probably the next SEC coach, potentially out the door. He has a massive buyout, though, so I don't know if they're able to uh, to get that done. Uh, they were able to put up a good amount of yards, Pierce, the Volunteers, 464. Uh, Tank Bigsby got hurt, unfortunate there for the Tigers, uh, but they were able to get it done. Like I said, 30-17. to 17. It's a rough, rough time in Rocky Top. It does not feel like 98 anymore, does it, people? What would you think about this one, Pierce? Uh, thankfully, uh, thankfully for the falls, uh, Bigsby did get hurt and, and you never root for a player to get injured, but that helped them significantly in this game. UT just doesn't have it that even when they are clicking or even when they are playing well, all things considering, they still find a way to just throw it all away or, or, or just do something to shoot themselves in the foot. And, and again, that's. That's coaching. It's coaching. It's coaching. And, and I don't know if the players have given up on the staff. I think it might be a little bit of both. I think the players might have given up. And quite frankly, I think Pruitt so, has given up on some of the coaching staff. And I think they've also given up on the players. They're they're over it. I don't know if we'll see Pruitt get fired by the end of the year. I think Tennessee has far too many buyouts, uh, too, too much money that they owe these former coaches, I think they owe like two basketball coaches, like a combined like eighteen to twenty million dollars on top of what they owe. Uh, I think Butch Jones. Um, they they've got a lot going on there. I don't think they're going to get rid of Pruitt this year. They're going to have to look elsewhere next year. I think they're going to have to bite the bullet for another year and, and hope it gets better. But it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. And they're in Knoxville. The Mississippi State Bulldogs and the Georgia Bulldogs met in Athens. Georgia comes away victorious 31-24. to The JT Daniels era is upon us, and uh, if you were a Georgia Bulldog, you woke up very happy on Sunday morning. Granted, it's not necessarily the prettiest score in the world for uh, Georgia Bulldogs, and the box score is atrocious if, you're a, if you are a diehard, or not diehard, but a... Um, through and through loyalist bulldog who loves to run the damn ball. Uh, eight yards of rushing is all that the Georgia Bulldogs could muster. But JT Daniels is making Georgia football fun again. 401 yards through the air. The first time since 2013 with Aaron Murray for a Georgia quarterback to do so. Mississippi State, Will Rogers, he looks to be pretty, pretty good. He was, uh, he's through 52 passes, 41 were completions. Now, granted, they weren't a ton of explosive plays. And if you were Georgia, that's what you knew you needed to do. You, uh, with an air raid offense, just want to limit the explosive pay- plays. They, they, they did that, to be fair. Uh, but a lot of chunk yardage uh, added up for Will Rogers in a uh, pretty good showing by that guy, that young man. Uh, KJ Costello, goodbye. Just, you know, bye. Um, Mike Leach is going to have – we've been down on him. It's turning the corner. It's going to be okay. If you're a Mississippi State Bulldog, it's going to be okay. Uh, don't get too excited, but it's going to be okay. Now, their defense is pretty good as well, and that's something we're not talking about enough. Uh, good on their defense to uh, really give Georgia everything they could, especially in the trenches, to limit that run game, which usually is pretty potent for the dogs. So, uh, like I said, 31-24 to is the final score of that one. Both teams walking away and feeling good about it. So that's an interesting game, though, when you have a, a, a game where both teams walk away feeling good. Pierce, break it down for the people. Yeah, I mean, very interesting game. I couldn't agree more. This is one of those games where you didn't think much was going to come of it, and yet you got to feel good from either fan base uh, from what your team showed. 
Mississippi State, you heard Mike Leach say it after the game, most complete game of the season. I tend to agree. Will Rogers really showed me something. You look at the LSU game, they had a lot of plays that were dump downs against Georgia, very similar uh, dump down passes or crossing routes that the receivers turned into 70-yard plays. That's just a total breakdown on the defensive side of the ball. Georgia didn't give that up, so but they were still able to move the ball, and that and, and Georgia knew that was going to happen. It's, it's very much a bend, but don't break. Unfortunately, they couldn't couldn't be opportunistic on a, a few plays, shut them down uh, for field goals instead of touchdowns, which I feel like we should have. That being said, gotta love what Georgia did on the offensive side of the ball, especially through the air. Hate it on the rushing side of the ball. Uh, that obviously scares you. But when a, a team is constantly bringing 9, 10, 11 guys into the box from in, in, at any given down, the fact that you now have a, a passing offense or you hope to have a passing offense that can extend the ball downfield and really put some pressure on the, the DBs, they can't come up anymore. So despite how this looked uh, for some Georgia fans who maybe have been clamoring for the downfield throw or for, for a more prolific uh, offense, they tend to revert back to can we run the ball? Might be a little bit alarmed by that. I think it's uh, it's gonna tr- there's gonna be a trade off here, and barring any uh, unforeseen craziness that goes on, gotta like the prospects of both teams moving forward and into next year. Uh, both have some work to do, but I don't think any. Uh, I think both teams can get there. So excited for the prospects of both teams. The Oklahoma State Cowboys and the Oklahoma Sooners in the Battle of Bedlam or Bedlam Battle, whatever you want to call it, Bedlam. 41-13 to 13 is the final score there. The Sooners coming up way on top. Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, Pierce. I don't know why enough pe- more people aren't talking about a hot seat for Mike Gundy. You said it already with your good, your bad, and your ugly. Are they just content to be the team that goes in and, and wins nine games a year and they, they pack it in? He's only won twice, twice against the Sooners since he became the coach in 05. I have no words. I have no words as somebody who is used to, uh, we had Mark Rick that did that for years and years and years, and it became frustrating, and finally we had to do away with him. So I think you need to ratchet up the uh, the heat there on old Mike Gundy. Uh, Spencer Rattler looked pretty good. 24, pass, 24 attempts, 17 completions, 301 yards through the air and four touchdowns. He's a young guy. People who were kind of like, worried about the Oklahoma offense. It's the first time that Lincoln Riley has had to develop a quarterback straight out of high school. He He's had a bunch of transfer quarterbacks who have made him look really great. And Spencer Rattler is going to be a dude. Just give it a couple years. Give it a couple years that the Oklahoma team is going to be back to, to what they are known for. The Big 12 is not super compelling to me, Pierce, because there's not a chance for them to get in the playoffs at this point. But it is very encouraging if you are a Big 12 fan that you're potentially going to be back in it in a year or two because uh, this Oklahoma team is going to lend some legitimacy to your conference. Yet again, they look uh, to be coming under, coming into their own in Oklahoma State. Mm. Mm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pokes fans. It's just not good. Well, the key to Oklahoma and their success this weekend was uh, Stevenson. Finally, I, I feel like they haven't had a, a, a bell cow there uh, at the running back position really for the last year. Stevenson came in and absolutely provided that for the Sooners, albeit against what a lot of people consider to be the best defense in the Big 12 and the in Oklahoma State Cowboys. 
you know, obviously you got to hate it for the Cowboys with, uh, with their QB, Spencer Sanders getting hurt. Uh, he only was able to throw for 97 yards. They had to bring in Illingsworth, Illingworth and, you know, five for 21 is just not going to get it. not going to cut it. Albeit against a poor pass defense in the Oklahoma Sooners. But Oklahoma came out and, and had a game plan here and absolutely uh, took advantage of what, what Oklahoma State didn't have or had uh, on both sides of the ball. Were able to take advantage of their defense, who uh, I think they got some motivation on, hey, this Oklahoma State defense is the best in the Big 12. We don't care. We're just going to run it down your throats with Stevenson and then uh, get chunk plays down the field. And that's what they did. They didn't have to throw the ball too much. I mean, 24 pass attempts. I think that has to be a low for Oklahoma in the last couple of years. They typically throw it 35 plus and Oklahoma state just couldn't get anything going with, uh, with a backup quarterback. And it's a shame because I expected this to be a closer game. You got to like what Oklahoma has going forward, but it's not their year this year. They're going to have to look for next year. Don't give me, give me a break about getting in the playoffs. It, it, this is simply for 2021. And uh, Oklahoma State, you got to go to the drawing board. It's interesting. Do you, would you get rid of someone? If you were an Oklahoma State fan, would you get rid of Gundy, considering you're probably going to take a step back if you if you get rid of him? Uh, it, okay, what, it's a twofold answer. It's not cut it's and dry, different. just yes or no. It's, it's very great to me because, one, i got to take a look and see what's going to become available. Uh, this is going to be – some years you don't see a ton of stuff happening in the coaching carousel because there's just not going to be a lot of – people available there's also uh years where it feels like every job is available because there's lots of names it's kind of a you know a timing thing if you're a good program you hopefully make a hire for a decade or two uh it, it you know to build a dynasty it's kind of like I read an expose Pierce last week about Florida State and how they got to where they were at it was very interesting uh he talked about the end of the Jimbo era bringing in Willie Taggart and there was more to it but Willie jumped at it because he was like, they've had two coaches in the last 40 years because they were a dynasty in the 90s. Bobby Bowden had that team absolutely rolling in the 90s. And, and, and so when you have your dream job become available, you jump at it. You know, it's 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 speed dating at its finest. Uh, so that's that's kind of the, a nuanced answer to say, I think you probably do this year if you think that there's somebody there that fits what you want to accomplish in uh, Stillwater. But they're very comfortable with what they do. Oklahoma State always has good hype around them coming into the year. They're never necessarily on, on track to be a quote-unquote a playoff team. But everybody's like, hey, Oklahoma State's going to be pretty good. I think they're, you know, whatever. But the biggest glaring thing to me is the fact that at some point you get tired of being little brother. Uh, we saw it with Mark Rick. Mark Rick was a good coach at Georgia. He was able to win a lot of games. He was getting 10 wins a season, but he couldn't beat Florida. And eventually you get tired of getting talked crap. To, uh, to you uh, by your biggest rival. And, and eventually the dam breaks. And I think you're probably starting to see the beginning of the end with Gundy. I think it'll be a quick thing. He had a lot of off-field controversy uh, in the offseason. So, I, I think you do. I think you've got to do it. See, I think he's got another five years at least. I, I think it's one thing if you're a Mark Rick at Georgia where you have the best talent in your backyard it's another thing where you look at what you might bring in and it's someone that might not be able to develop the talent or has has a system that's able to get the most out of their talent considering it's not the top in, in the conference. 
It'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I think it, it might be somewhere in between, or it could be either or. It'll be interesting to think. Interesting to say. I, I just wanted to get your opinion on that. All right. Last but not least, the Liberty Flames were heading into Raleigh to take on the NC State Wolfpack. They were undefeated, and they were had high hopes that they were going to be able to get it done and continue to roll. They did not do it, though. 15-14 to 14 is the final score there with Wolfpack coming away on top. Sorry if you had the over in this one. They were not even close to it. A uh, very, very <laughs> boring game if you like offense. Uh, a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of nothing. And NC State tried to give it away to them. They had 14 penalties for 123 yards. But the uh, Liberty Flames had three turnovers. And if you give the ball over that many times, it's going to be really hard to get it done. So, unfortunately, Hugh Freeze's team not able to get their third ACC win on the season. But, nonetheless, they still look like, uh, you know, it's a fun story. I'll just put it that way. Hugh Freeze has probably gone after this year. I hate to break it to you. Uh, what do you say about this one here, Pierce? Give credit to Liberty. I mean, e- it's hard for any team, let alone a, a Liberty, to go absolutely undefeated and absolutely dominant the entire year. You're going to have some slip-ups. You hope they're in games that aren't the big game. They've had, this is their third game against an SEC foe, and it just so happened it happened in one of those games. And that's a shame if this was in a game where it was in their conference, they would have won this game. That being said, they didn't have the offense going they struggled to win a game against a, a, a superior foe in NC State. If they can't move the ball, and NC State, despite their deficiencies, were able to get it done. It's ugly all the way around. Kudos to both teams. I think Liberty's better than what the, than they're showing, and NC State didn't play so well either. So, kind of a mixed bag there from from both teams. And, and NC State, being the uh, more talented team, was able to get it done in the end. All right, well, that's the games of the week. Now you want to hit us with the braggers of the week, Pierce? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Damn! Would love to, would love to. I've got a few here, uh, actually six to be exact. Uh, don't call me a homer because I, I do have some homer plays on here, but statistically they were my braggers of the week. First and foremost, Jermaine Burton, wide receiver at Georgia, 18 receptions for 197. The true freshman also went for two TDs. Best, uh, he was on pace to, to have the best receiving game of any Georgia player in history. Came short, but uh, 197 is is nothing to scoff at. Second, and, and this was my favorite performance of the week, Davis Brin, third-string quarterback for Tulsa. 18 of 28, 266 yards passing in reserve reserve spot for Tulsa. Oh, and, and he came in down 14 nothing. Two TDs, zero interceptions, one rushing TD as well. Davis Brin led them back with a Hail Mary throw and it did everything to uh, that Tulsa needed to, to, to pull this comeback. Quite frankly, it looked more like a starter. Ty Freifogel, wide receiver, Indiana, enough said. Seven receptions for 218 yards, three TDs. Dude was an absolute beast. He's been that way all year. I'll jump down to the bottom of my board. I didn't have this next, but Michael Penix, 27-51, the dude throwing to Freifogel, 491 yards, five TDs, and one interception. He just kept getting it done through the air, especially downfield against Ohio State. Fourth, Ramondre Stevenson, running back Oklahoma. Listen, maybe not had the most insane performance on the ground, but very efficient. And Oklahoma, who is prolific passing the ball, needs someone to run so that they have that that 
ease downfield with guys maybe trying to scoot up, trying to stop the run. Ramondre Stevenson, 26 carries for 141 yards, 5.4 average. Three receptions for 54 yards as well in that one. Good on Stevenson. Another running back, Eric Gray. Despite their uh, losing effort, Eric Gray went 22 carries for 173 yards and one TD. Also had three receptions for 49 yards. Absolutely dominated this Auburn rush defense. Got to give it to Eric Gray, who's been a, been a pretty good dude for UT and consistent for him, them all year. Two more here, both on these same – actually, three more here. JT Daniels, 28 for 38 for 401 and four TD, zero interceptions. Provided something that Georgia hasn't had since 2013. Um, Got to give a shout-out to him. And then two players on the same team. Got to give it to Kenny Pickett, QB from Pitt, 35 for 52, 404, two TDs, one interception. Absolutely dominated and threw it a lot and – a lot for a lot of yards to DJ Turner. 15 receptions. 15 for 184 yards and one TD. Got to give it to these braggers. There were some uh, pretty crazy statistics this week. Absolutely. That's going to do it for our Week 12 recap. We'll be back here in just a few days to pre- preview Rivalry Week. Rivalry Week. Rivalry. Rivalry Week. Okay. We're not going to start that crap. There was a commercial a few years back, and my parents still quote it. Uh, incessantly around this time of the year, and I cannot stand it. Cannot stand it. Um, all right, so a couple of things housekeeping-wise. I already said at the top of the pod, but make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you rate and give us a review. It helps us grow. It encourages us. We appreciate you for that. Uh, also, make sure you are following us on social media, at Brag and Pod. That's bragging without the G across both Twitter and Instagram. Got both this the regular Saturday Mimosas with Madison and a little special treat for you guys dropping on Thursday for the holidays. Uh, we're going to end with our overreactions, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. I'll go first. Big Ten's best isn't Buckeyes. Okay, I had to check and see if it was five words. You saw me count off my uh, little digits. I know. You were very – you knew I, you, you were, might I be I don't know if you saw while there. you were doing braggers. I was going, okay, boo. I was like, I, I didn't. Fingers. I didn't. I was too wrapped into it. So I, I, I come prepared now. You, you called me out the past few weeks. So I'm going to go big time with a reaction here. Cincinnati – is Ohio's is best Ohio team. Excuse me. Cincinnati. See, you gave is, me shit and then you just messed it I up. I know, I just screwed it up. I, I I tried to go into a big diatribe there. Cincinnati is best Ohio team. Okay. A little reaction there. Mike drop. I stand by it. Mike drop. All right. We will talk to you guys. I uh, we're gonna hope to have I think we're gonna hope to have the uh next episode out prior to Thanksgiving. I think it actually might drop on Thanksgiving. So uh, if we don't talk to you again uh, before you start your turkey day, have a good one. Enjoy it. Rest up and enjoy all of the football that is going to be on your TVs this weekend. Let's cross our fingers and our toes that not too many cancellations happen. But nonetheless, there will be pigskin thrown around on uh, America's holiday. So super excited about it. And I hope you guys have a restful one. For the Bragging Rights Podcast, I'm Madison. I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.